We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 489 The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxenteco's message today is the conclusion of The Dragon, the Woman, and the Remnant. We didn't have time to bring you the entire message yesterday, but we'll complete it here now. Remember, our telephone number is 877-788-5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time. If you would, stay with me for just a few seconds after the program ends today. I have some other very important information I'd like to pass along to you. Don't forget our phone number. It's 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxenteco. The accuser of our brethren was thrown down who accuses us day and night before God. And what does he do now? Now he's hell-bent on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. He's so mad that he has lost the game, that he has lost this cosmic controversy. He has set his sights to destroy anyone on earth who is a citizen of that heavenly Jerusalem. And he'll destroy any part of heaven he can find down here in the church. Revelation twelve thirteen. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had borne the male child. Every Christian that died for his or her faith in the Christian centuries was pursued by the dragon. So don't be surprised if you're pursued by the dragon in your life. Don't say, well, why am I having so much trouble? It's as if the devil doesn't like me. And you should say, well, of course he doesn't like you. Why would he give you a good, easy path when you belong to that heavenly Jerusalem that he hates so much? Nero burned believers alive to light up his horse races in that first century. The apostle Paul was beheaded to appease his enemies. Peter was crucified at the whim of that tyrant Nero. John was boiled in oil but survived to give us the book of Revelation. Christians were hung, butchered, and starved to death. They were left to die naked in the cold on icy lakes. Hot irons were applied to their body to get them to deny Jesus Christ. They were crucified like Jesus was and ripped open and murdered for their faith. And we live in an era today where the prosperity theologians of our time will tell you that unless you're blessed, you're not a Christian. None of these people would have qualified as Christians in this modern mess of theology, prosperity theology. It says you have to be blessed to be a believer. It is a satanic delusion. Friend, if you follow Jesus, the dragon will focus his anger on you. Your path is not easy, but it is rewarding because it leads from here to glory. It leads from conflict to righteousness and ultimate justification in God's eternal kingdom. The persecutions... Of those early Christians were few, relatively speaking. And they were followed by the persecutions of the Middle Ages that were horrific and on an unbelievable scale. The church that turned its back on the Bible in the 4th and 5th centuries became the very force that Satan used to pursue the woman into the wilderness. 
Christians were hunted down and killed by the organized church of the Middle Ages, by the Christian clergy, and millions of people died horrible deaths that can never be understood until the great judgment day. And what was their crime? They wanted to follow the Bible. They wanted to share the love of Jesus Christ to those in that Christian dark era who did not know it. And so these honest men and women of faith who refused to give up the Bible died for its truths at the rack and the stake, and the organized church of the Middle Ages banished them to hell with no chance of eternal life. Revelation twelve fourteen. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. In Exodus 19.4, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt on eagles' wings. He said, see how I brought you, he said in Exodus 19. How I brought you and bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The children of Israel left Egypt at Passover. The pillar of fire and cloud appeared and God carried his people through adversity, through the Red Sea to his holy mountain. And in the love language, he said, I brought you in eagles' wings to myself Friend, Jesus died at Passover. And what John is saying is that God did the same thing for the apostolic church that he did for his people in the Old Testament. Just as he protected his Old Testament people from adversity, he protected the New Testament church in the Middle Ages, in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy 8.3, the Lord led his people into the wilderness to teach them to rely on the Word of God for life. You know, it's funny. I have been interacting with some ministers lately, and I'm just amazed and how you can get a Ph.D. in theology, or you can get a master's degree at the seminary, and you can think that you're smarter than the Bible. That's problematic if that ever happens. Friend, I value biblical scholarship, good, clean biblical scholarship. But you know what I value the most? The Bible. Just the Bible. The ability to take that book out and study it and let God speak to me from the words of of the Bible. I mean, I don't care what some self-help guru says more than what Jesus says. And I'm not that concerned personally about what the great theologians say if it differs with what the Lord has taught us in his holy word. So God brought his church into the wilderness in the Middle Ages to teach it to rely on the Bible. In Deuteronomy 8.3, he said this in the Old Testament, and he, God, humbled you, and he let you hunger And he fed you with manna, which you did not know. As I said before, manna means what is it? Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You need the word of God to live more than the food on your table. You need the word of God more than the air you breathe. You need the Word of God, and you must hunger for the Word of God to feed on the Word of God. The church of the Middle Ages was not to be sustained by creeds and councils or tradition. The true church of the Middle Ages was led into the wilderness by Jesus Christ, by God the Father, by the Holy Spirit, by the Trinity, to feed on the Bible and to grow in the Word of God till one day the church that went into the wilderness would leave the wilderness for the promised land with Jesus Christ, to learn the lessons of humility, to hunger for God's Word, for life itself in the Bible. And when the church had learned that lesson, God would bring it out of the wilderness to unleash it on the world, to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ, a church on its way to the glorious promised land. 
a time, times, and dividing of times. And Revelation 12, 14 is identical the 1260 days in Revelation 12, 6. It's very clear the woman symbolizing God's people, the extension of the heavenly Jerusalem, the embassy here on earth of that heavenly city, went into the wilderness for a time, times, and dividing of times. But if you look in verse 6, it calls that time, times, and dividing of times 1260 days. The woman goes into the wilderness in verse 14. And in verse 6, for 1,260 days, which means 1,260 literal years in Bible prophecy. The church of the Middle Ages was hiding and feeding on God's word for over 1,000 years. I went to Italy a few years ago. I had the opportunity of going to the Ingrania Valley in the northern Italian Alps to the place of the great Waldensians who had kept a copy of the New Testament throughout many of the centuries of the Middle Ages, had evangelized a lot of the great cities of Europe, and they were hunted down and killed in a number of crusades for the crime of following the Bible and believing that by faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And as I went there, I was amazed to find that there are inscriptions there where they say that we are the church spoken of by John in the Apocalypse that went into the wilderness for 1260 days or a time, times, and dividing of times. These dear people lived in those great mountain fortresses preserving the word of God, extending it by faith, doing their level best to share Christ, and they lost their lives doing this. I climbed the mountain one day over there. It was in the snow, and it's kind of high up, and I was winded. I could barely walk up the stretch, and I came to the College of the Barbs where they had this stone table where they had memorized large portions of the New Testament. And I remember standing in the snow. The door was locked. I looked through the window, and I felt this close to some of the greatest people who've ever lived in the history of the world. Men and women who died to give us the Bible, to preserve the knowledge of Jesus, when the organized church of the Middle Ages sought them out to destroy them because the church had become antichrist in the Middle Ages. Dear heart, the time prophecy started in the spring of 538 A.D. It ended in the spring of 1798 A.D. That is the period of time the Bible predicted the church would be in the wilderness. The French Revolution changed the world around the year 1798 when the old order came crashing down and a new secular order arose in its place. For the most part, Christians can worship God in freedom today. Why? If you are a student of history, you know that the French Revolution destroyed the old order of the church-state system of the Middle Ages. It brought freedom. It brought some bad things too. It brought atheism, communism, which is a satanic movement. But dear heart, it brought a tension in world civilization that allowed the church to have a reprieve from the awful persecutions of the Middle Ages. For the most part, Christians today can worship God in freedom because of that world revolution. The Bible tells us that the earth came to the help of the woman. In Revelation 12, 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. In Revelation 17, 15, the waters of a river represent many peoples, nations, and tongues. Revelation 17, 15, he said to me, the waters that you saw where the harlot is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The crusaders of Italy tried to destroy the church of the Waldensians, the Albigensians and others like them. 
great rivers of humanity with swords and spears sought out men and women with Bibles in their hands to wipe them off the face of the earth, to sweep them away with the mighty armies of the Middle Ages, and God protected his church from them. In Revelation twelve sixteen. but the earth came to the help of the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river which the dragon had poured from his mouth. There was an incident recorded in the Middle Ages when one of the crusading armies that came up to the Waldensian Mountains was seeking to take them out in a decisive blow. And those godly farmers, in their desire to defend their family, got on their knees and prayed for God's intervention. And something happened that it hadn't happened since the days of Moses. A pillar of cloud appeared in the sky and it settled in the mountain passes and created terrible fog and confusion for the armies that were coming. The same cloud that had led the mighty Israel of God in the Old Testament was there in the wilderness to prevent the Waldensians from being wiped out in a single day by a decisive blow. And as that cloud settled on the mountain pass, these godly farmers climbed to the heights and took large stones and threw them down. And confusion followed, and those armies dissipated, and the dead lay below, and God had delivered his church in the wilderness like he had in the days of Moses. There were other stories of men and women who laid down their lives for Jesus, who did not have the privilege of experiencing that kind of deliverance. Their deliverance will come when that same pillar of fire and cloud will appear in the east, and Jesus Christ in all his glory will break open the night sky And the dead will be raised to see that glorious day. You know, many Christians today believe that the dead go straight to heaven. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that they are asleep until the resurrection. And at the resurrection, then they come to life. As God promised the great prophet Daniel, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake at the end of time. So we should not have muddy theology to teach the wrong kind of view. Army after army pursued the church of Jesus Christ. Revelation twelve sixteen. but the earth came to the help of the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river which the dragon had poured from his mouth. The earth came to the help of the woman at the end of the Middle Ages, at the end of the 1260 years. Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. Didn't he say that? Yes or no? The meek came to America at the end of the Middle Ages. The beast of Revelation 13.1 at the end of time rises out of the sea. That old union of church and state will come back at the end of time to do its deadly work just before Jesus returns. The sea represents a sea of nations that gives rise to the four great world empires. In Isaiah 57.20, the prophet says, The wicked are like the sea. They rest not, they stir up trouble. You don't have to guess where the great global conflicts came from. They came from Europe, from the old world where the sea of nations is found. The earth is that part of the world where faith grows when the word of God is planted deep in the heart and the life. Psalms 1 says a righteous man is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. On the good earth it grows. Friend, in the mountains of Italy, in Ethiopia, in the new world of America, at the end of the 1260 years, people of faith fled to the earth in the wilderness to build a home of faith to build lives in a future based on the Word of God and not the traditions of a church that had lost Jesus in its experience. And the wilderness became the friend of faith that gave us freedom in the new world, the good earth. 538 to 1798, from the time the siege of Rome lifted to the time that Berthier 
instituted another siege of Rome at the hands of France, 1260 years. 1776 is very close to the year 1798, isn't it? The earth came to the help of the woman. The new world of America became that special place on earth that absorbed the persecuting armies of Europe. The armies of the Inquisition moved to South America. Millions died, Mexico and Canada. But North America became that special place where the persecuted men and women of faith could find a home for faith and freedom where they could get on their knees and they could live a life and tell their children about the truths of God's word and not die in the flames. Our pilgrim fathers came here to worship God on holy ground, the good earth, North American freedom. Well, I've listened to people knocking this country. I don't know about you. It bothers me. I know God raised up this country in prophecy at the end of the 1260 years to be the last best hope of this world before Jesus comes. And that there is a holy history in America that is meant to make a difference in our lives and that we are to teach our children this golden heritage. It's not because I was raised in this country. It's because I know from history what God did with this country. They came to North America to plant the word of God, the truths of Jesus Christ for future generations on friendly soil, the good earth. They came here because here was a place you could pray to God. You could go to church according to the dictates of your conscience. One of my ancestors' name was Jeremiah McNew. He was actually a product of the Rob Roy clan. He was a covenanter. He came to the county that we're going to build our church in for the purpose of having religious freedom. They came here because this was a place where they could find God, and they stayed here because here was a place to build a city on a hill for the entire world to see what faith in Jesus Christ could do in the life of a people guided by the principles derived from the Bible. In 1630, Jonathan Winthrop wrote these words for our emerging nation. The Lord will be our God and delight to dwell among us as his own people and will command a blessing upon us in all our ways so that we shall see much more of his wisdom, power, goodness, and truth than formerly we have been acquainted with. We shall find that the God of Israel is among us when ten of us shall be able to resist a thousand of our enemies, when he shall make us a praise and glory that men shall say of succeeding plantations, the Lord make it like that of New England. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. If God had not raised up Christian America to become the last best hope for this world, the horrors of the French Revolution, the evils of the medieval Inquisition, World War I, World War II, the great conflicts of the raging sea of the old world would have plunged this planet into the deepest darkness. God raised up this nation to be a bulwark against evil at the end. The earth at the end of the Middle Ages came to the help of the woman. Christian America was raised up by providence to point the way as the model for the world in a troubled time. We should be about establishing Jeffersonian democracies, not the kind of democracies that are based on Sharia law, that oppresses Christianity, that oppresses people of faith that are not part of the Islamic tradition. There should be a place for Islam to worship in freedom, and there should be a place for Christians to worship in freedom. To do nothing is to empower evil here and there. 
To take no stand against oppression is to empower oppression right here. To be silent when men and women go to graves as martyrs for Jesus Christ in the modern world is to participate in their martyrdom right here by being silent. What kind of America will John Winthrop's city on a hill become if right here we fail the sacred test of our times to stand for religious freedom, to stand for those champions of Jesus in the world? If we look the other way because it's politically expedient to do so, we deny the faith that gave us our Christian constitution. Our constitution still bears the marks of its Christian origins. The Bill of Rights still has force in this great country, but not forever will this always be. The attack upon America on 9-11 was an attack upon the principles of Lady Liberty. It was an attack upon the soul that makes America what it is. It is the great test of our times, what it has done to us. What kind of people will emerge from the smoke at the World Trade Center's ruins? Would a cross of steel stand in the heat of American history as we face our national tensions? Or will it fall into history as a forgotten hope, as something our culture and our world and our people are ashamed of? A generation of Americans has arisen who would gladly surrender freedom for security. That's what I'm observing. The Bible teaches that the conflict between good and evil will one day come here, and Christian America will become a dragon that persecutes the people of God. The book of Revelation is extremely clear on this point. This country that has been the place of liberty, this country which was the founding place for the Constitution, the best hope for new democracies in the world, the book of Revelation teaches that it will build an image to that medieval church-state system of the Middle Ages and it will repudiate every principle of its constitution. The mark of the beast issue, friend, in Revelation 13, following Revelation 12, will start right here in Christian America. It is a beast that comes out of the good earth that it builds an image to that beast and institutes the mark of the beast. The dragon would often make war in America. In the book of Revelation, he went to the new world. He left the old battleground of Europe and he came to America. The persecutions of the Middle Ages will be completed right here on the sacred soil that gave us the constitution that we enjoy. The city on the hill will become a battleground for faith. And the last best hope for the world will become a bloody battleground for faith. And men and women will die in America. That's what the book of Revelation teaches In New York Harbor stands a lady with a timeless truth whose time may pass very soon on the good earth that came to the help of the woman at the end of the Middle Ages. The terrorist attack on New York City was an attack on faith in America. At the base of the woman who stands tall with a torch in her hand are the words of hope from that city on a hill for the entire world to see. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. There will be one day a clear delineation between good and evil in this country. Blood on the stars and stripes will be found when the devil's battleground becomes Christian America. Lady Liberty will weep again at the golden door. Revelation 12, 17, 
And the dragon was wroth with the woman, went off to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, there are people here who struggle for faith in their life. The enemy that tried to destroy the Bible, that tried to destroy those godly Christians that became a remnant in the Middle Ages, is out to destroy the life that wants to study the Bible and to follow its truths today. Father, may you strengthen every person here. Father, may the tension of prejudice be set aside. Father, as we live before Jesus' return, may this group, may those that hear this word open their Bibles, be honest to hear the word of God, to study it, to not trust the voice of authority, to trust the Bible as authority. And I pray, O Father God, that we will stand on Zion's ground as that ultimate city on a hill because of Jesus who led the way, the hard way, all the way up the mountain for us. Bless your people. Hold them in Jesus. True to the Bible. Ready for the second coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. There you have it. Today's broadcast entitled... The Dragon, the Woman, and the Remnant. We completed this message today. Due to our time constraints, we were not able to complete it previously. Don't forget our phone number if you have any questions about this broadcast or this ministry. It's 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. If this broadcast has ministered to you, would you consider a financial contribution The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Once again, Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, please stop by the worship service. You can find directions online at reachingyourheart.com. Or feel free to call us at any time. Once again, that telephone number, 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. And don't forget, you can listen to any of these messages again in their entirety under the broadcast schedule there on the main page of reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart.